The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right, it's going down. We have a epic, epic story that's going to be told today. Um, as you guys know, um, some of you guys have seen my I Am Second on uh, YouTube or IamSecond.com. Those, that's our family over there. They do amazing stories, and they constantly put out amazing uh, people's testimonies. I think they honestly do it the best out there. Um, my radio producer sent me this film recently of uh, this gentleman <laughs> named Joey Kelly, and I've heard a lot of stories, and as I started watching this thing, I literally started choking up and crying uh, through multiple uh, parts of, uh, of this story because it just hit home in, in, in so many ways. And I know a lot of you listeners um, that tune in weekly with us um, are going through, and I know because I get DMs, we get emails, uh, going through uh, you know trauma and, and dealing with unforgiveness and um, trying to find, just know if there's a God that can, that can help you. And I truly believe today that as you tune in and you listen to this story, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear how this man went through some stuff, but how God, uh, you know, brought him through. And um, there's going to be a lot of life application stuff that you're going to apply to your life. And I truly believe if you do apply these things to your life, that you will uh, see a transformation. But there has to be a, a process. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have uh, him on my show today. So thanks a lot for being on. Um, it's awesome to have you, man. Brother, so glad to be here. So as we get into this, uh, you live out in Texas. You're out in uh, Austin, Texas. That's right. The cool part. <laughs> so we, you're born and raised out there, right? Yeah, they call us uh, unicorns. There's not many like true Austinites born and bred. Uh, we're mainly transplants in this city, but uh, I'm proud to call Austin my, my hometown. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, especially everything that's going on right now. Um, I don't know if you've read the news, but from California, all the U-Haul trucks are sold out and everyone's uh, heading to Texas. And I think Austin is uh, it's one of the fastest growing cities right now. I think I recall reading that in the news um, in America. And a lot of people are exiting from here, going there. But literally U-Haul trucks were sold out. Um, so you guys must have a lot of U-Haul trucks over there. And they're not coming this way. I can tell you that. <laughs> Hey, I used a U-Haul the other day, and yeah, it looked like they had plenty in stock. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, I want I want to get into your story because uh, you know, with the limited time we have, but uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about you, uh, just growing up out there in Austin, and and um, and then just kind of leading into basically, um, you know, hanging out with your cousin. Yeah, man. Um, I come from a big family. I'm the baby of five kids, uh, which was wild and super fun. Uh, I was really close with all of my cousins as well. I see, grew up in the church, you know, um, in the Episcopal Church, which is which is kind of like a step over from Catholicism. So very traditional. Mm-hmm. Not totally my jam, honestly. Um, but yeah, always. Um, was hanging out with my, my siblings and my, my cousin, uh, for sure. 
So, um, what's it called? Piscopo? What, what's, what's it called? Episcopalian. Episcopalian. So that's that's a step over. So you grew up. It was was it kind of a rigid uh, um, system growing up in that environment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very traditional. Oh man, um, just the the old hymns and the oh. organ oh, and yeah. everything. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't. I honestly, it just it just wasn't for me. I guess like I don't feel like I got a lot out of it. Like I, I don't even know if I heard the gospel all that much. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't until a little bit later hearing the gospel from my sister that I feel like that I actually got saved. So when you were growing up and you were going to church, there wasn't really anything kind of penetrating you as you were going to to this church. Were you ever like looking, like growing up, did you ever look at the things of the world like you were trying to get out of it or you just didn't really know the gospel until you had that conversation with your older sister? Man, yeah, I feel like I never heard the gospel until until I was seven. You know, I even, I actually did go to Sunday school with my grandma. Shout out to my my grandma who recently passed. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think that the teaching was just connecting with me at that at that church. Um, but yeah, my my oldest sister Amanda um, shared the gospel with me. She went to a summer camp, uh, Camp Travis here in Austin, Texas, and she just came back from camp super fired up uh, with the gospel on the tip of her tongue, and she like knew she had to sit me down and just laid it all out there. And I remember it being just like crystal clear, like it's, it's nothing about what we can do to earn our way to God or earn our way to heaven. It's everything about what he did to come to us, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So, so how, um, how old is she at that time? She's seven years older than me. So if I was seven, she had to be 14. Got it. So that's pretty awesome how she just came in and was like, Hey, let's, we need to sit down you need to know the gospel. Totally. She has, she has a big heart. Um, and, and man, it's like, even if you're excited about anything in life, yeah. you know, you just like, you can't shut up about it, mm -hmm. you know, which is like a testament of her awesome heart. That was just like on fire for the Lord. Like she had to like tell everyone she knew, you know, especially like her little baby brother. That's awesome. That is so cool. So as you were growing up, like what kind of stuff were you, uh, like, what were you into out there in, in Austin? I mean, you have a huge family. I mean, it has to, and you're the youngest. Yeah, I'm the baby of five, man. So, <laughs> man, sports, playing, playing ball on the street for sure, uh, super fun. You know, when you're, um, when you're the baby of five, there's, uh, you have to get creative with how you have fun. There's not a, not a ton. I don't know of, of, I don't know. You just get creative, having fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. uh, just playing sports on the street. Um, making up your own fun kind of deal. Um, maybe getting into a little trouble, but nothing too crazy as a little kid. Well, what about you and your, uh, when, when I heard your story, but you and your best friend is your, is your cousin, right? And me growing up, uh, me and my best friend were my cousin. That's another thing that I related to in your, in your story. He was, he, my, my cousin's one year younger, but we, we grew up doing everything together. Was that the relationship that you guys had? Yeah, pretty much. You know, he was, uh, Mikey was three years younger than me. Um, but he lived three blocks away and, and cousins, like you said, man, they're the best because it's like, it's like your brother meets a friend, you yeah, know, yeah. and like when you get annoyed with each other, y'all, y'all go to your own homes, you know, you have lots of sleepovers too, but, yep. um, your, your brothers get more on your nerves than your cousins do. You know what I'm saying? It's more like a friend. It seems like, 
I know. I just got back from breakfast with my brother, and he was, you know, he was getting on my nerves a lot. You know, we're a cousin. It's different. <laughs> hey, I hope he watches this and calls you out for that. <laughs> no, it's so true. Cousins are awesome. So, um, you, you and your cousin, you guys are having sleepovers, hanging out, you know, getting into trouble, just you know, having a good time. Um, but there is a there there is a, a some stuff that was happening. Um, during that time that your cousin's uh, parents were kind of in the getting in the middle of getting a divorce and you guys were, I think you were doing a sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the major tragic event um, that uh, kind of affected a lot of my life. So, um, and it's a big part of my testimony for sure. Should I, should I jump in? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, w- I would like, we, we could talk a little, but we could talk about a couple more things leading up to that, but I just, I definitely want to talk about, you know, this event that happened and the process of you overcoming to speak into this. Cause I think it's a, it's a, it's a heavy subject with a lot of people these days that are dealing with this kind of stuff, these tragic events that never have any healing, but your story has this healing process to it. But what were the things that led up to this moment? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So probably some like uh, trigger warnings out there for, for some people, Yeah. but my, my, my cousin's parents were in the process of, of getting a divorce and, and I was just 12 years old and he was nine years old at the, at the time of this, uh, tragedy. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing sleepovers all the time. It seems like, and I actually wanted him to, to come sleep over at my house, but I don't know. He kind of got his way. And I, I went to go sleep over at his house one night, December 2nd, 2000. And, and the night that I happened to randomly be spending the night with him, uh, about to drop a bomb on, on your viewers here, mm-hmm. is, is the night that his um, dad, who had been kicked out of the house, broke into the house. And, and I can, I can give however much detail you want me to later, but he ends up murdering his wife um, with a knife in her sleep, like a surprise attack mm-hmm. in her sleep. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm asleep. I, I'm like half awake, half asleep dreaming. I can hear my aunt Phyllis. She's screaming for her life. I'll never forget. She's screaming, Mikey, Joey, help, please. Anyone, God help. Wow. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and Mikey pulls, I'm still not fully awake. I'm like, I feel like I'm half awake, half asleep again. And, and Mikey tugs on my leg and he says, Joey, come help, come help, come help. And, and I follow him out in the hallway and like, Mikey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And he, he slips away from me to look into his parents' bedroom. And his, his dad comes out with a, a butcher knife and blood all over him. Mm-hmm. And, and he looks at me and he looks at Mikey and this man, he's a big dude too. He's probably 6'2", 240, uh, proceeds to tackle his nine-year-old son who's, who's tiny and um, he, he stabs him in the chest and he slits his throat uh, multiple times right there in front of me. And, and sorry, to, sorry to give some of the gory details, but, but he- But this, uh, this is really traumatic. I mean, you guys are, this is like the crazy, this is like, a, like you were saying, it was like out of a horror film. Here you are, you're, he's nine years old, you're 12? That's right. And you wake up in the middle of the night and all this stuff starts happening. You gotta, this has just gotta be, you gotta be in shock almost, like paralyzed almost. 
Totally. There, there was a moment of that. Um, when, when Mikey is, is being stabbed, I, I like to reflect back, like, I swear, like I wanted to, to help, but I, I physically couldn't move. And, and like a professional would tell me like, that was me being in shock. Right. Um, I, I couldn't move. I couldn't even like run for my life. I was so frozen, solid, stiff to the point where, uh, my uncle John just slowly got up off of Mikey and slowly walked over to me, slammed me against the wall. At this point, like a, a life flashing before your eyes kind of thing. And I just remember thinking, okay, this is, this is how I die. Um, and I, I, I think I can see myself on the screen here. I put my arm up like this and I'm, I'm like, I'm a believer at this point. I feel like I'm talking to God and I'm at this point just saying, Lord, just like, just make it quick. I just want to make me just die quickly. Um, and I completely had given up on my life and he tries to stab me in the chest, but he ends up um, going through my arm. My arm happened to just kind of block it like a shield. Right. And it, knife went through my arm and it just barely scratched my chest and um he's just trying to stab me real quick multiple times in this part i always feel crazy explaining this part um but he's trying to stab me multiple times and as, as soon as he takes it out again uh keep in mind like i haven't been able to move for like the past 45 seconds or yeah. so and I've, I've completely given up on my life and I'm just ready to get stabbed multiple times. And I, and I, I don't get stabbed. And I, I look up. I, I know I sound crazy when I say this. I look up and my uncle is no longer on top of me, having me pinned against the wall. He is eight to 10 feet away from me, like to my right. And I remember looking up and, and seeing him over there now and thinking, how did I get over here? That's so weird. I look down at my arm. My, my muscle is literally falling out of my forearm. I can see the striations on my muscle. And I like put it back in my arm. And I'm like, okay, I think I got to hold this like above my heart. And I, I run downstairs. But it's, it, I, I believe in miracles yep. just as much as anyone in the world, I would say, because I experienced one that night. Um, God just intervened or I don't know, a guardian angel or something like yep. a spiritual force, um, saved me from, from dying that night. I'm, I'm more convinced of that than, than anything. I, I totally agree with you. And I totally believe in that, that God can do that and do a miracle for sure. I mean, it, it has to be a miracle. That's just, uh, really intense and crazy. Um, when you were looking at your uncle, uh, I mean, was he coherent or, I mean, this, this sounds like the, he was completely, I mean, when someone's like trying on the murdering spree, you got to be looking crazy and out of your mind. I mean, did you, did you guys make any kind of eye contact during this process to see what he. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. You asked that because, um, I, I run downstairs, I, I grab the phone and I, I dial nine and my hand is literally going like this nine, one, and then my uncle's getting too close. I put the phone down and I'm like, I'm going to come back to that phone and dial one more one and the police will be here maybe. And then there's this moment where he got too close. So I dropped the phone. He, 
he rips the phone out of the wall and I'm like, well, shoot, there goes that plan. Um, and I'm just slowly walking backwards in the kitchen and he's slowly walking forwards in the kitchen and we're not even far apart. We're probably four or five feet apart. And I'm at this place where I'm begging for my life. I'm saying, John, you don't have to do this. Please stop. Like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Like, like, I don't know, begging for my life. There's this intensely fierce, evil look in his eyes. He says no words to me. And, and honestly, the only way I know how to describe it, or I think the most appropriate way I can think of is it, it, it felt demonic. Yeah, It felt incredibly evil, uh, just a total determination to kill and destroy everything. Uh, the story goes on that I escape. Obviously I'm here today. Um, he, he lit that, he blew the house up. He lit the house on fire. Um, and he barely escaped with his own life and, and he has burns, um, on his body. So he was just out to totally destroy that night. So you were, he, you were able to get around him in the kitchen and run out of the house. You know, um, there's like a, there's like a middle big pillar kind of thing happening in the house that the stairs, like the stairs are in the center of the house. Yeah. And like, it's like you kind of, I, I could kind of uh, go on and, and run right. um, one way around the house. And then we do that game. You know how kids, the way I yeah, describe yeah. it is kids are playing tag around a bush right. and you kind of just see which way the person who's it is coming. And so we, we play that game. I, I, I tell people I really couldn't tell you if it was for five minutes or for 30 minutes. Yeah, totally. It felt like, it felt like forever. I have no concept of time. What I do remember is uh, there's blood everywhere. And I'm like thinking, dang, I feel like I could bleed out if if this doesn't end soon. And, and I hear him go up the stairs for, for whatever reason. And I'm like, this is my chance to make a break for it. So I'm able to escape out of the front door and, and get to the neighbor's house. Wow, God's grace and totally um, demonic stuff. Um, I've been around probably I don't know thirteen to fifteen thousand, uh, not thousand, thirteen to fifteen de- demonic possessed people uh, in our in our tourings and stuff. And um, yeah, it's just they got that that look in their face. They're kind of like glazed, black eyes. Yes, and they're just they're looking through you, and they're just it's just demonic, you know, and you could, you could, you could sense, uh, the presence of the darkness when a, when a demon manifests in a, in a, in a person. Um, but yeah, but Satan, what, what does it say about Satan? He's come to steal, kill and destroy. And that's, was his whole mission. So you get out of there, you get saved. Um, uh, you know, when you were just talking about your cousin and your aunt, that's the part where I got really emotional, uh, when I was watching, you know, earlier is because, you know, your, your cousins are like your best friends, you know, and I couldn't even imagine. I started thinking of that, you know, what that could have looked like for me. And um, very, that's something that would be with you for, for, you know, forever. And now that you come out of it, what was the, um, how'd you deal with this? I mean, this is like major, major trauma. You're 12 years old. I mean, I mean, this is, this is big time stuff that's happened in your life. How did you, what was the process to overcome or to heal or whatever you want to call it? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was long and complicated for sure. You know, I was as a 12 year old. It's like, how do you even begin to process that? You know, it's incredibly heavy, traumatic. I wouldn't wish it on anyone ever to to witness your your best friend, your cousin, get murdered by his father right in front of you. You almost losing your life um, as well. It was heavy. I was, you know, I was so mad at God. Um, I uh, <laughs> um, I remember just going into my backyard and like cussing out God, like my 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 little brain, and and I can understand why I felt this and thought this. I just I couldn't understand how a good God would let evil win in such a big way that night. It's like, God, God, like, God, where were you? And and the weird thing, the ironic thing kind of is, is that I know he was there because he saved me. Yeah. I like, I felt his intervention. Like I've literally felt like I got pushed out of the way, but like I saw the destruction and the murder mm-hmm. of my, my cousin and, and my aunt had been murdered in the other room. And I heard her screams until she died. Um, so I was, I was so mad at God. And, you know, like my, my mom had a, a pastor come over and, and prayed for us kind of thing. Um, and, and I kind of bring it back to my, my sister, Amanda, who led me to Christ as a seven-year-old when she came back from camp and, and she just, she just felt with me. She, she gave me some incredible empathy and she understood where I was and I was having an incredibly hard time. And, and she just encouraged me, Joey, God, let's, us make decisions even if they're horrible he it's it's a good thing but he, it's a th- it can be a dangerous thing too he gave us free will and and our uncle john um just made some really stupid evil decisions mm-hmm. and and kind of like we're, we're saying now i reflect back and i think there were evil forces at play there mm-hmm. um it just there's no way around it. it it really sucked and um but just remembering that God gave us this, this, the free will, and that's kind of the way the world works. And people are awful and sinful, and and make horrendous decisions sometimes. What were some of the uh, side effects this had on you um, during this time? Uh, were you getting, uh, you know, night terrors, uh, anxiety, depression? What was the what were the, the the effects that were to come along with this? Yeah, man. Totally. I think it's fair to say that I've suffered from everything from post-traumatic stress um, to anxiety, some depression, um, guilt for sure, both like um, survivor's guilt, like, God, why why am I the only one um, that made it out that night, you know, and and, uh, guilt that I didn't just even just try to fight my uncle off of my, my cousin, you know, like part of me wishes I would have even just like lost my life, like fighting, um, for my cousin. Um, like, cause that's, that's like an honorable way to go. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but man, I was, I was like, I was scared of the dark for a minute cause this was a surprise attack in the middle of the night right. and I'm a, I'm a child. Um, I was like scared of windows. I'm like, someone's going to break into our house. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All those things. I was, I was scared of, I was scared of knives. Uh, um, I actually have an adopted, uh, brother from this family. That's my, my fourth sibling. 
to make it a total of five. Um, and he's a, he was a 16 year old. He, um, he was living with, with, with his, his dad at the time. And we were, we were concerned that he was going to be dead when we went to that apartment. Um, but he's, he's this big, strong guy who kind of looks like his dad. And I was, I was scared of him for a little bit. Um, so definitely had some kind of irrational fears from it for as well for a while. So was there, was there, what was the process of you, um, to get, to go through this process to kind of walk it out? Were you, uh, were you meeting with people regularly or is there any counseling, you know, obviously God, you know, the relationship with, with Jesus is number one, but obviously counseling and Christian counseling and all those things, they all point to Jesus. That's seems to be the only way for this, uh, healing of this sort. Um, what, what was the process that you can encourage people with, um, that maybe be going through some kind of traumatic, um, events in their life? Yeah, man, I'm definitely a, a huge, huge fan of counseling. I think everyone period should like go to counseling at some point in their life. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed. There's like a stigma around counseling for a lot of people, but it's, it's so good to just uh, talk to someone for sure. As a, as a sixth grade boy, 12 years old, um, my mom did take me to this counselor and, you know, I actually, actually reflected back with her some recently in process. Um, I felt like it, it didn't help that much. Um, but my mom encouraged me recently. She said it actually did help a lot with my, PTSD, you know, and I did overcome like a lot of my fears of, I don't know, the dark and being around big windows or, or whatever, knives. Um, uh, with that being said, like, I do think I um, bottled a lot of stuff up and, um, you know, all, all of my siblings are actually amazing believers and did all these incredible things in high school. So I try to always be involved with like the youth group kind of thing and an FCA. It was, it was a little bit of a front. I was a little bit of a, a poser and hypocritical for sure. And, and chase some of the things of the world. Um, but um, really getting amazing community around me in college and, and actually having another huge breakdown in college uh, led me to seek out some more um, counseling this time, a Christian counselor, where it was like gospel based, that was like the foundation uh, was was super, super helpful for me. So especially in college when you can process um, a little more maturely uh, with, with a counselor and having an amazing community of believers around me to just en encourage me and remind me that God saved my life that night for a reason right. and I can't let this life just go to waste. Um, helped me really make like a 180 degree turn in, in college. So yeah, what I'm hearing from you is you weren't isolated. And <laughs> what you probably see and what I've seen through conversations and people around you that have experienced traumatic events, uh, it's almost like the enemy, he wants to, he does, and it's not almost like he wants to get you isolated. So you're in your mind, you're dealing with all these fears and all this stuff that he's put in your mind so he could uh, take your mind captive and keep you depressed and keep you anxiety and keep you with uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder and all these different things. But what God wants to do is he wants to bring you to a community where you could have a conversation, you could break open the scriptures, you could read, you could be encouraged and around people 
that are going to lift you up and encourage you to, to move forward. And through the transformation process, of, or through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that's where God will get a hold of your life, transform you, and um, walk you through this healing process. And anyone that knows, whether you've been divorced, you know, like I was divorced in my previous uh, marriage, um, or, you know, different addictions or fo footholds or strongholds or whatever you've been through in your life, it's a slow process of healing. It's not like this magic pill or like, you know, Jesus is a genie. You just rub the, rub the genie and, hey, I need this. It's, it's a process through the relationship with him and through the work of his spirit in our lives. He will renew and transform us. And that's pretty much it sounds like what you were, uh, what you were getting through the scriptures, through counseling and being surrounded uh, by people. After the break, we're going to be coming uh, to the break right now for a few minutes, but I want to continue the story of this cleanup process, of this renewing of the mind and heart, and then God calling you um, and using you in this time uh, for what he wants to do in your life. So um, I wanted to do, I want to plug a couple things. A lot of you guys are listening. Um, go to the Whosoever's. Contact us. We are still booking tours. We're going to actually be out in Texas soon doing an Easter event. Um, uh, uh, it's called the, um, oh man, I can't even think of it. Some saloon out there. These, the, the bartender or the owner of the bar invited us to come out and share the gospel at a bar in Texas, in Houston. And they're not even Christians, but they love what we do and how we present the gospel. And they said, Hey, Easter, that's like a whosoever thing. That's like, it makes sense for you guys to be here. We're like, yeah, it's called the wildcat saloon. I think, uh, we'll be out there. So. Go to the whosoever's, look us up, get the date, come out, hang out with us here in Texas. And if not, book us to come to your city to bring the gospel to the streets. Wherever uh, there's an open door to get in front of non-Christians, we would love to be there. We'll talk to you guys in two minutes. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. <laughs> hey, it's called a wildcat saloon, right? Now, back, back. To the Ryan Reese Show. All right. Thank you guys for tuning back in. And you know, right before the break, I was talking about us being out in Texas. It's called the Wild Catter. It's a, it's a saloon out there. Um, we're going to be out there in Easter bringing the gospel. So they normally have, a, you know, about 400 people out there for their events. And they invited us out to come talk about God in a bar. And we actually spoke out there. Uh, we were out there about a month ago and we did like a night event. And I remember us walking in there, and they're like, yeah, go ahead and tell your stories, and, you know, you could talk about the gospel and all that. And we were all kind of going, oh, shoot, how's this going to go down in this bar? And we ended up telling the gospel, and we're like, hey, if you want to receive Jesus, come forward. We want to pray for you. And we just saw hundreds of people come forward in this bar. We were tripping out. Now that God opened us the door to go back and do an Easter event. So just when I thought I heard it all, I get invited to go speak at a bar on Easter. So I'm really excited about this. So come out. And join us at the Wildcatter on Easter, and uh, it's going to go down. So right before the break, I have uh, Joey Kelly in studio. Um, I was talking about um, how he has a film on I Am Second. Uh, so definitely go out to IamSecond.com and, and check out all those cool stories as well. But uh, Joey, right before the break, we were, we were just talking about how you were going through this healing process. Um, you were 12 years old. Your cousin was nine years old. You were doing a sleepover, and um, in the middle of the night, uh, his parents, they're basically in the middle of a divorce. In the middle of the night, his father broke into the house and murdered your 
uh, aunts and you actually heard it, her screaming for you guys, you and your cousin, uh, and you guys ran in there and then he proceeded to attack and basically murder your cousin and then he came for you and by God's grace he ended up stabbing you, by God's grace you got away and you were just talking about this process of being traumatized with fear of the dark, fear of big windows, knives, just all these different, all this trauma um, that was in your life. And then you were going through this cleanup process of, of allowing God to work in your life to help you walk through this. Because there's, you know, as we were talking before the break, there's a lot of people that have had traumatic events in their life. And it, it can range from all different uh, things in their life. But a lot of people don't get help. They just try to, uh, like, like I did in my story, is I went through divorce, the girl I love, abortions, all these different things in my life that there was a lot of trauma. But the way I took care of it is I just put a bunch of cocaine up my nose, a bunch of alcohol, and made tons of money and, and lived this crazy life of just pleasing the body appetites through sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the music industry. That didn't fix the problem, though. That created a bigger problem because I still had my problem, never got that fixed. But then I had drugs and alcohol and porn addiction and all this other stuff connected to it. So it just turned into this massive uh, problem. But you, on the other hand, you did things the right way. And that's what we want to focus on tonight is going the right way. You didn't isolate yourself. You basically got surrounded by believers. You got connected to Christian counselors. You got plugged into church. You're a man of the word, prayer, and you're around people that would encourage you. And that got you so far. But then I want to pick up where you were in in college. Because when you got to college, things kind of resurfaced, right? These, these, these things that you kind of uh, were, these things that were in your life, they, they resurfaced in your life, you said? Yeah, so I actually did my fair share of messing up as well in high school. You know, I feel like I still was holding on to this bitterness. Um, of what, like, towards God, to towards what he let happen uh, to me in that night and how evil won in such a big way, I felt. Um, so I had, I feel like this feels like cheesy Christian talk, but like this hole in my heart, and I was just trying to fill it with anything and everything that wasn't Jesus, right. you know? So um, I'm the baby of five kids, and they were all these amazing Christians in high school, so I was involved in some Christian organizations, but I was definitely a pretty big hypocrite and was chasing, partying, drinking, smoking, and um, took it too far with some of these girls I had relationships with and was just, um, I felt like I had the right to go crazy, you know, and right, right. Um, considering everything that had happened to me, uh, I'm just going to go do me and, 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 fill this void of not living with God for, for something else. It's kind of like I knew what the answer was, but I, I just want to go create this life for myself. Um, and yeah, fill this, fill this void. And like, maybe even like, I don't know, numb the pain you could say, mm -hmm. uh, trying to like take it all in uh, control with my own hands. Um, and then it wasn't until college where I had like this, breakdown moment like the a psychologist said when i was a kid like it's going to hit you later in life at 18 21 25 I, I, I popped my head into church i hadn't been in a minute and then something about amazing grace man probably because i was living a pretty sinful life at the time 
and I just felt overcome by the grace of God. And I just like wept, like I was an 18 year old grown man. And then I just like was totally broken and, and got hit with that wave of grief and was just so upset and like felt like depression coming back on and just again, wept all day. Like when it says Jesus wept, I feel mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. uh, understand that it's like nonstop uncontrollable crying for, for hours. And I was like, dang, I need help. Like this, this isn't it. <laughs> this ain't it. I need, I need to go back to counseling for real. I need to get with a, a Christian. I'm going to try a Christian counselor this time that can incorporate the gospel, speak that over me. Um, and I just, I just need help. And there, so there's two things. Sorry, I want to jump in here really quick because there's two things I want to ask you a little bit more about that you said. You were saying uh, earlier you felt like you had a ticket to go out and, and live like this because of what happened to you. Because basically, because you were a victim of what happened and you had that ticket to go out and live this lifestyle. Um, was that you felt like you had a, a ticket to just go self destruct and just put all this stuff into you because you were that victim. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, it didn't feel like self-destructing at the time, you know, it felt like, man, if, if all these other people get to go get wild, you know, if anyone has the right to go do that and go get, get drunk, get high, like it's me. Cause I've actually been through stuff. Got it. Got it. Got it. (laughs) kind of deal. So I'm, I'm going to go have my fun. I'm going to go get mine. You know, I'm, I'm tired of like living in this, I don't know, like box or trying to be this good kid or like live up to people's expectations of me or the ones that they had of my siblings passed on to the little baby brother kind of thing. But ultimately like none of that filled me remotely, you know, like it's all, I like to think of it as difference between like gratification and satis, like being satisfied, satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It was like just very temporary highs, temporary funds. And it just leaves me feeling like even worse than than I felt before. So it just left me feeling like nothing. Like I was like a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And what about the, what about the wave of you saying that how your psychologist or your counselor, said that these waves would come back when you're 18, you're 21, and they'll keep coming back through your life. Um, how would you speak to people that are going through that? Because I, I personally, like I've talked to people where they're doing good, and then all of a sudden there's just like a, it's like another episode of their past. How, what would you like to say to people that are dealing with that? How can they overcome those moments? Yeah, sure. That's a good question. Um, what's coming to mind is um, I feel like it can be like daunting thinking about like a wave of grief could overcome me um, or like they could live in anxiety of that. But I, I think a, a different way to look at it is just to have an expectation that not every day is going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. And I can't just go around completely compartmentalizing myself and and being happy all the time, 24, seven, 365. Like there's going to be hard days. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be a hard month and just like being prepared for that and like knowing like what to go to when those times come, you know, like 
the high school me would like go to like drinking or, or smoking maybe. Right. Whereas like the college me, you know, would I'm like coining it now that I'm seeing it like the three C's, you know, it's like Christ counseling and community, mm-hmm. like using those tools around you to kind of lift you up. Um, when you're down, like knowing what to go to, that's actually going to help and not leaving you feeling empty. Yeah. You need those tools. So now, because we have about 14 minutes left of the show and I want to talk about how, uh, God has pulled you through. It's a process. Obviously you're not in a super saint. You're not perfect. Um, you don't have a, you know, you have good days, you have bad days, like, like everyone else. But what has God done in your life what's the call that he's put on your life and now what are you doing these days yeah yeah kind of going off of what i was saying earlier like i feel like i've experienced a lot of what the world has to offer you know with with these temporary pleasures um and it all left me feeling empty and unsatisfied so i made that major 180 in college and started like I made a decision, like, I'm going to see what it's like to really live for the Lord and just like kind of see what happens, you know, and that's when I was surrounded by even more amazing community. And I was able to um, start a Christian fraternity uh, chapter at Texas A&M University with my best friend, Ben Meadows. And it grew to a hundred guys, which was incredible to watch its growth. He was the president. I was the vice president. And it was just, that was just really fun and and cool to see uh god work through there and and the fruit there um i've been a part of uh, summer camp ministries i worked at camp pine cove my second summer in college and that uh kind of rolled into my sister and i ali she always had a vision for starting her own christian sports camp uh, because she got saved at a christian sports Mm -hmm. camp so i've been a part of our christian sports camp ministry now for going on 12 years cg victory she has a company camp gladiator then their cg victory is our nonprofit christian sports camp uh, which is doing amazing work i'm still doing um, development um, work for them right now so it's cool to get to do that with my sister who's one of my best friends and um yeah god has been so good man turning my life around i've met my wife um on hinge uh, the dating app uh, a few years ago and we're married and we have a, a sweet baby boy now so um been through a lot of hard times plenty of them but god has been so good and so faithful uh you know and and just been so blessed uh, ever since i don't even know if i remember your question i feel like i kind of rambled no on no there. no that was no that was good we, no i was just asking you how about god's doing with you now in these times so he's using you with this nonprofit to to do this uh camp um and i think camps are crucial because you know when i think about when i was younger i did go to a couple camps but you get these kids out of their their day-to-day around maybe they could be around all this noise with their friends you know that they're caught up in who knows what you know but you pull them out of this environment you take them to this hill or this mountain top experience and they get away from all the noise and they're able to connect the dots there's that time where they're able to connect the dots to christ and it's crucial maybe they might get they might give their life to the lord at that camp but the word never comes back void you know and that's an opportunity for a Christian kid to bring their non-Christian friends 
or just for that Christian kid, like even like I'm a pastor's kid, okay? So, and my, my daddy's a mega, pa- mega church pastor, so I've always kind of was like, nah, I'm, forget this. I don't want nothing to do with, you know, this stuff. But I remember going to a couple camps and getting out of everything and being up there with some cool, cool, you know, you know, youth pastor or whatever, and being able to hear what they're saying and to connect and like just to be alert of God and, and to, you know, the words that sink into my mind. All right. Sorry. Totally. We're, we're going to pause right now because we just lost you again. No, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Hold on. We lost you on the video. Um, I should be back. There it is. Do, 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 do. Go back like thought- 20 seconds. Yeah, so with the camp, it's important to be able to get kids out of this noise and out separated from their friends and just to hear the clear message of the gospel and to spend time away from everything and let the word of God sink in. And even though, like I was saying, even though they don't give, maybe they don't go back and live for Christ, those seeds have been planted and God Mm. will water them. And then also with you guys going into the colleges to, to Texas and, and developing that discipleship program for all those started to a hundred guys. I mean, if all those guys catch on fire for God and they get discipled correctly, I mean, they're going to disciple more people and the thing's just going to spread. So all these tools are crucial, especially for this younger generation, man, because everyone's so caught up in their screen time and distracted. It's like, we got to get them to that old school thing. We got to get them to the camps. We got to get them to meet together and not be separated. It seems like technology has separated everyone where we need to get everyone. And then even the whole coronavirus and everything, you know, the church is as empty. No, we got to get everyone back together and, and in community for discipleship and encouragement through the word. And that's where people truly develop. So it's just really awesome to see um, how God is using you. It's, it's so awesome, too, because someone with your background from all the trauma and everything, you know, the world would be like, well, you're going to be on antidepressants your whole life. Um, you're going to, you know, you know, good luck, basically. You Hopefully you'll be able to pull through all this and, you know, maybe you'll be able to get off the bottle or, you know, off the weed or whatever it is. But here you are. God has set you free. He's transforming you. And we know that the word of God renewer, renews our mind daily. So as we read the Bible daily and we're plugged in, God will continue to transform you. And he'll show you the plans uh, that he has for you. So I'd I like to say this to the listeners, and I want you to actually talk to the listeners as well, is that maybe you have gone through trauma. Maybe some bad things have happened through your life. Maybe you've been through a divorce like like me, or your parents have been divorced, or you know, you've been in a crazy murder situation or who knows what, whatever it is the trauma is, you might feel like you're in a rut. You might feel like you're in a grave. You just feel like you're dead, but you're just walking through this earth, just a dead man, you know, like empty, like you were talking about. God can transform you. That's not the life that you have to live for the rest of your life. God can change you, but you have to trust the process and you have to to ask for forgiveness. You have to receive the forgiveness. You got to receive his grace. Um, you got to uh, press in to a relationship with him and talk to him and, and use these tools that he was talking about. These tools, Christian counseling is good. Go to the church, go meet with a pastor, have them lay their hands on you and, and, and pray for you. Anointing you with oil. It talks about in James that the, that they will be healed if they confess their sins. Like, all these tools exist, but you will stay in this rut if you don't 
act out and use these tools that are available. And that's the one thing that I see is a lot of people don't use these tools. They just complain, they get drunk, or they just keep acting out because you're acting out of what's going on in your heart, basically. Whatever's going on in your heart is what you're, which is what you're seeing as the, as the actions coming out. But they need to press in, they need to ask God, and they need to use these tools. Is there anything um, that you would like to speak uh, into the audience um, for the next seven minutes or more? Um, just kind of uh, what you would like to leave them with to encourage them. Sure, man, for sure. That was that was a good word too. I was I was here for for that preaching, brother. So it's <laughs> a so way to get after it. Um, yeah, I guess a, a couple more thoughts here is yeah. that uh, forgiveness is uh, so huge. You know, um, I spent a lot of my life really, really mad. You know, at God even, which which doesn't doesn't even make a, a lot of sense. Um, but at my uncle as well. You know. Um, you know, he, he took my, my best friend, my cousin from me and, and my aunt, who was like a second mom to me. And I was just so mad at him and just wish he would die kind of thing. You know, he almost killed me. He killed them. Um, and I'll never forget a pastor told me in college that he was like, man, forgiveness is just as much for you. It's, you know what, it's even more for you than it is for him unforgiveness is like a, a foothold that Satan has in your life that will help you to just never, that will like keep you rather from never being able to move on. Um, and, and that was powerful. You know, he said, when you, when you forgive, like Christ calls us to forgive, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to move on with your life. Um, and, and that doesn't, and forgiveness, I want to like say, doesn't have to look the same for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm ever called to to meet with my uncle. He's in a prison in Huntsville. Uh, so I, I'm not going to meet with him. I feel like I can say confidently that I have forgiven him. Mm-hmm. I, I still need to, I want to like write him a, a letter. I don't want to be pen pals, mm-hmm. um, but it, it can look different. It doesn't have to be in person, especially if you're a victim of uh, domestic violence like I was, if, mm-hmm. if you don't feel safe for being in the vicinity of that person. But uh, I think that's been a huge part of my, my healing and, and moving on for sure. And another thing I'll say is I feel like I heard a lot from, from people around me, even as a kid, like after this tragedy happened, they're like, uh, hey, man, this is like a good thing. Good things are going to come from this. And, and their intentions were good, you know? Uh, I think they were like kind of misconstruing Romans 8, 28. Uh, for God <laughs> yeah. works all things together for good for those who love him and yeah. who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what they were off on is they said, this is a good thing that happened and that like couldn't be more further from the truth, right? It was a horrible tragedy that happened. Um, it was an evil act that occurred. So... Mm-hmm please like don't call it a good thing yeah um yep. but romans 8 28 says that good can come from it mm-hmm. and that we can become more christ-like um from hard or even horrible things that happen to us um so just trying to like change a, a perspective there was was helpful for me on on those two things uh, for sure the three c's man counseling christ community um total game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
what else was I going to say? Just this overwhelming feeling that God saved my life that night for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, I can't waste it. I can't waste it. I've chased all the things of the world. Nothing, uh, gave me real joy, but living for the Lord is like where the, the real joy is. And, and I'm still here. God saved my life again. I, I have to live for him. I can't let it go to waste. And for anyone who's struggling through, through trauma or depression, mm -hmm. I, I feel like an encouragement, a word I may have for you is like, you're still here. You're, you're still fighting. You're still on this fight. Like you are, you are more seen and loved than you could ever know or imagine. Um, especially by, by God, the father, uh, through Jesus. So there's, it's always worth it to, to fight and hang in there and seek all these things, even fighting for community and fighting to forgive someone like taking the step to go to counseling. These are all hard steps, but they're, they're more than worth it. Yeah. You know, I love all that was amazing. Um, what you said, but, um, the, uh, the unforgiveness, which you were talking about, that will eat you alive and that will make you a prisoner and you will never be able to move forward in life because the unforgiveness and that's that's one of the biggest traps that satan will get that foothold or that stronghold in your life and it literally even like bitterness too like it's medically it will it, it releases stuff in your stomach and like it it jacks you up like it's this is the stuff that will that will literally tear apart your life and your mind because every time you see someone you hear their name or whatever it is it's just it's just haunting you and, and and satan just feeds off that in your life so crucial you have to ask god to help you forgive people and there there was a girl in my life that i married and and i couldn't she jacked me up so bad and i'd see her or I'd hear her name or whatever and it would just all those feelings would just rush back like a flood but I had to literally just had to keep asking God to help me to forgive and forgive. And then it would pop up again, their name. Then I have to forgive again. And it, it was a, it was a, it's just a process of years, but it kept going down more and more and more. You've probably noticed, um, rather than not asking God and just having just dominating and actually growing, it, it actually grows. The more you buy into it, the more it will take over. So, uh, ask God to help you. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, God will transform you. He will help you to overcome. And he will give you new thoughts. And he'll give you a new mind. And he'll give you a new heart. But it, ha it only comes through a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But through reading the Word of God, because the Word of God is his voice. So read the Word. Pray, which is talking to God. And allow him through his Spirit to work from your life. Just like as you see the wind blow. That's how the spirit works. You just see the effects on your life. You don't see the spirit, but you see the effects on someone's life. So, dude, thank you for for being on the show. We're coming to the end. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you my information. Let's uh, when we're in Texas, we're going back and forth. I'd love to just hang out, grab some coffee, grab some food, some barbecue, whatever. But um, thank you again for for being on the show and 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 hanging out with me. My guy, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Have a good time. Awesome, man. All right, you guys. So go to the whosoevers.com, get all the past radio shows, go to our YouTube, click uh, follow, and you could get shows for the last, I don't know, man. We have like, these things have been on the radio for about six years now. Click, get all the shows, and go to I Am Second and check out all their testimonies. Peace.
This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.